Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. These stories will connect us and allow us to continue to grow into the men fatherhood is calling us to be. I really loved this conversation that I had with Austin, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. Uh, From the moment Austin walked into my office and we just started talking, he's just such a brilliant thinker and the way that he cares for his family and works to be intentional uh, just really impressed me. Definitely take your time and listen through this. I've personally changed some things, not changed, but implemented some things in the last 10 days just from my conversation with Austin. Uh, My son wanted a skimboard, and instead of going and buying one before he went to the ocean, we found a YouTube video, went to Home Depot, bought all the stuff, and in five hours made a skimboard, which we got to use the next day. And... Another example, I had to come in and, and edit some of this podcast, and instead of just uh, you know waiting until the kids went to bed or waking up early, I brought my 13-year-old out and sat her in my office chair and just kind of directed her and let her figure it out. So I know that you listening to this, uh, you'll gain some nuggets that you'll get to walk away with um, that aren't going to be this add more to the to-do list. So check it out this conversation with my friend Austin. Oh, and one last thing. If you find that you have to walk away from this episode because something popped into your day, please skip through to minute 54. I don't want you to miss Austin's last words about the importance of fatherhood. It's really inspirational. Um, since the launch of my book and the podcast, I've had interactions with with friends that I don't normally talk to on a regular basis. And my friend Austin, who is here in the office with me, say hello. How's it going? Uh, Give me a call one day just talking about the podcast. And, and I loved it that uh, starting to talk about fatherhood is bringing up more conversations with other great dads out there who are engaged with their families. And Austin was sharing some stuff with me that he's been doing with his kids just through the conversation. And I asked him if he'd want to be on the podcast and talk about it. So we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but first, Austin, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be a good conversation. So to give people an understanding of who is Austin, Austin, let's start off with a few questions. Cool? Fire away. All right. First, how old are you? So I'm 39. 39. All right. One more year to go. Feeling every year of it, man. There you go. And how many years have you been married? Been married 20 years. Dang. Nice work, man. That was all on her 19? part, man. She put up with me for 20 years. It's uh, She's a saint. Dude, that's good. We just celebrated 15 years a few weeks ago. And we're at that point now where it's been half our life. Yeah, it, you start to think about how... Oh, well, almost. We've been together half our life. We haven't been married quite there, but we're there. But yeah. you're there. Yeah, it's weird because you start realizing I've spent more time with my wife than my parents. Yeah, that's kind of weird, Stuff right? Because like that. that feels like such a big part of our life yeah. was when we were kids, like that whole season. Yeah, yeah kind of bonkers. Okay, so 20 years, how many kids do you have? So we have two boys, uh, 10 and 11. 10 and 11? Mm-hmm. Okay, so close. You really are kind of a planner. She is. She is. Okay. So you just <laughs> go along with the with the flow? Yeah. I, I think we both, we are very excited to 
um, to influence interact with kids, but not very young kids. Yeah. We're not really a baby type couple. So we were like, well, how do we reduce the overall time span of like the baby phase <laughs> to the minimal possible yeah, window? Yeah, just pop them out. Yeah, and let's get that done and then, you know, get on to the And you wanted stuff. two kids. Is that what you wanted? I think we, we stopped at two because two seemed like a good number. You know, you got man-on-man yeah. man defense. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool. Not like us where just five kids running around. It's a little crazy. I think it's awesome. It's fun. Yeah. But it's just different, right? All of us have our, our different stories. Um, what do your kids call you? Uh, Dad. Dad, yeah. Any other names that they've called you? Well, <laughs> only when they're upset. No, yeah. They, yeah, they call me Dad. Dad, yeah. Nice. I know my uh, some of my friends' kids. You know, they start to try and call them by their name. That's not like, happening. No way. That is not happening. You're the only yeah. humans on the planet that get to call me Dad. So that's what you're going to be calling me. Yeah, that's right. So when you're not at home, Dad, kids, family, you got to go out and provide somehow for the family. So what kind of work have you found yourself doing? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I joke with people and say, if you want marginal broad spectrum engineering, I'm your man. But, uh, you know, I do all sorts of things. Uh, For about 15 years, I worked in uh, life science biology, mostly building custom microscopes for biological sciences, but also industrial people. So back in the day when people had hard drives, I built microscopes that would inspect hard drives that had failed. Um, We also did physics applications where you know we're looking at time of flight stuff like you know um like watching how long light takes to go from point a to point b through different materials um did some really cool high speed imaging we had cameras that would look at like weapons that had been fired out of a like you know a ship cannon and Jeez. Then, you know uh, I didn't did. understand half the stuff you just said so yeah it's a <laughs> <laughs> so. man that is it's so crazy all the different things that go on that we just don't really know about. But yeah. but we need those things to help us live the lives we're living, you know? Oh, yeah. So it's cool when you get to interact with somebody who kind of does something that you don't know a lot about. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's fun for me to think about, okay, you're speaking, okay? Someone's listening to this right now. Right. At a different time. At, at a different place. How did that happen? It's pretty bonkers, like if you think about it, because they're engaging right. in our conversation, which maybe is going to be three weeks old, but it feels yeah. like right now. Well, and it's fun to think like, you know, there was a time when, and I forget who it was, right? But they figured out, oh, you know, if this membrane shakes, I can convert that into electrical signals and then I can trap that and put it onto something else, maybe like plastic, like a record, right? Um, and then later on, they figured out, hey, maybe if I could capture this into a number then i could store it somehow right so then how many times do i cut that up well that's bit depth right well oh i can cut it up sixty-five thousand times that's a 16-bit digitizer right and so now you've got two of those going one for each year and they're streaming number data into your computer and then that's going to someone else's phone where those numbers are being read and it's shaking a membrane in their ear which is causing them to hear. That's pretty cool. It's crazy. Right. And you think about how all that work, all the time spent, and for, uh, let's just say a few thousand dollars, we're all doing that, right? If you think of the phone, the car <laughs> stereo, the, the the mics we're talking into. Yeah. yeah, it's bonkers. And those are all people who did work before that we get to participate in. Oh, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean... 
I'm interrupting this important conversation that you probably just started getting into with a big announcement. During the month of November and the beginning of December 2019, I need your help and this is all hands on deck. I've created a daily journal designed to help dads like you and I stay focused on being the engaged and intentional fathers we desire to be. Do you ever feel like I do sometimes, like you're not cutting it, you're not hitting the mark as a father? Well, my hope is that this journal would be one tool that could help you get there. But it will not come to market unless it is funded. We are doing this through a crowdfunding website where it's all or nothing. So please go to our Instagram or Facebook at Rebel and Create and follow links to our Kickstarter campaign for the Fatherhood Legacy Journal. Or you can go to kickstarter.com and in the search put in Fatherhood Legacy Journal or Rebel and Create Fatherhood Legacy Journal and it'll pop up and we need your help. So please buy a journal for yourself, for a friend, or for a dad that you know. We would so appreciate it because we believe fatherhood matters and we're doing all we can to spread the word and create tools that will help support dads everywhere. And now back to that important conversation you were just getting into. It's incredible the amount of time and energy. Oh my I mean, gosh. Yeah, we don't think about it. We're more like this YouTube is not loading in two seconds. What the heck? We're just yeah. pissed. My, my, my Amazon Prime stream is buffering. <laughs> oh, the humanity. You know, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I yeah. get pissed about it for sure. Yeah. 1% problems. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty bad. We're so spoiled. Um, bef- as we were kind of getting into talking about this, you were kind of sharing some of the places you've got to go on your current job, current, cause you own your own business. So you're, you get to go to some pretty cool places, um, to do work. Yeah. Oftentimes they're not, they're not cool while I'm there. You know, I'm, I'm too worried about what's breaking, okay. or, you know, but yeah, it's, it's weird when you step back and you realize like, I guess it's cool to hear about it. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Cause like, you know, you, at the time I, I'm a very mission focused person. Right. And I've just, I've, I was raised to focus on like getting the job done. Right. And so when I go places like people go, Oh, you're in DC. I'm like, yeah, I worked the whole time. They're like, but you didn't see the sites. I'm like, that wasn't my reason for being there. Oh, so you're just like, get in, get out, get in, get the job done, get out. You know, I got more important things to do back home. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's in hindsight, probably not the best perspective, you know, cause there's then you, you realize years later, like I never went to the Smithsonian, but I've been within miles of it several times. Mm. Like, why didn't I take that time? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, the other day I was showing one of the kids my passport, you know, and I started to realize like, just, I've been all over the world, you know, uh, you know, France, Germany, India. Uh, I spent two weeks in uh, Belfast when the Reykjavik volcano blew up. And so I got stuck there. Dang. So it kind of, it was funny because I have Irish blood, right? So it kind of like settled in and felt like home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it's all, you know, paid for by work. Yeah. And so here I am traveling all over the world. I'm basically being paid to eat food that I didn't have to prepare yeah. and spend the night in a nice place and experience these other, you know, countries. And it's just, you know, everybody thinks about work as work, but they don't realize the lever that it creates in your life for adventure and opportunity. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Nice. Okay. So as you know, rebel and create are words that I live by. It's on the wall. It's on my arm. It's on in this frame over here. And for me, it means a lot of different things. But at the core, it's to rebel against the expectations that either I let my culture or the world put on me as a man or most times that I put on myself. 
And out of rebelling against that, it's like once all the bricks have been torn down, not just to rebel to rebel, but to create something out of that Mm -hmm. and to create the life that I want, to create a craft of fatherhood, the relationships with my spouse and my kids, those around me. So that's what rebel and create is. So it can be applied to the simplest thing or to something massive kind of concept like that. What's something that you're currently rebelling against and creating something different out of? That's a good question. I think there's many fronts, I think, on that, right? That's not, yeah, that's not a one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, I I think for the most part, we're, we're all told in one way or another how our life is supposed to go hmm. and how we are supposed to act, how we are supposed to interact with other people, um, how we're supposed to look. And, um, and so I, you know, growing up, I was not a person that was popular at all. Anyone that knows me knows that I was like the Uber nerd, right? Just, and nerd in a weird way, just out, out of touch, out of connection. And I think part of that was obviously very painful, Mm -hmm. but part of that was also good because I got used to not really caring whether or not someone else accepted me. And that allowed me to then just be myself. Yeah. And so, you know, I think you find often like, like I used to ride motorcycles, but I didn't ride a Harley. Now, Harley guys, and not to disparage Harleys, like I love Harleys are awesome bikes, right? But it's kind of interesting how Harley guys have a motif, right? Like you got to have a leather jacket, you got to wear the blue jeans, you got to have the chain on your keys. And, And so there's like a motif there, right? Now, again, nothing wrong with that. What that really does is it signals that you belong to a culture. You belong to a group and you belong, period. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's nothing really wrong with that. But I don't like fitting into groups generally. I don't want to be constrained. Right. Because what if the group is doing something that I don't agree with? Do I get to say no? And I, I think as men, like, it's important that we stand. You have to be. It's a two. Yeah. Double edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just be your own. No man is an island. Right? right. And so you can't just be this obnoxious person that says no simply because other people say yes. Right. But you also have to be willing to step against the stream. Yeah. I think it's an interesting balance because I think that we all have a desire to belong. I think yeah. that we were made that way, not to be alone. Mm-hmm. But we were also designed, made, I, I mean, for I want to lead. I mm-hmm. want to be a part of something that I get to have a say in, I guess. So there's kind of, it's both, right? I, I need to be able to take care of myself and be a man. And, but there's also, I don't want to, I don't need any help, right? I don't want to get to that point where I, I don't need anybody's help. Well, yeah. that's not true either. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like, we need to look in the mirror and ask why maybe yeah. we're leaning into one or the other. Yeah. Do I not want to have any help because I don't want to depend on people because really I'm just afraid that they're going to let me down. Mm. Okay. So you, so when, when we first started talking about this, you just kind of, you went into more of that too. We were talking before we started recording about, you know, especially West coast, there's just this like cool vibe and maybe yeah. that's everywhere, but it definitely feels like that here. Yeah. Um, And you're kind of saying you're rebelling against that in a sense of, Like I do this because I'm that. Yeah. Well, like I I think I I find things interesting, different things interesting, but I don't want to allow myself to fall into the trap of saying, because I do something, that's who I am. Okay. So I've got a great example because you're teaching me right now. 
So I've always ridden motorcycles, dirt bikes. Right on. So mountain biking's lame. Well, dude, get an engine. <laughs> right but that was always my my motive like oh i don't i wouldn't ride a mountain bike yeah because like where did that come from i didn't even realize it and then and then just recently some buddies i'm like oh yeah okay we'll go super fun absolutely it's like sometimes we have this persona which you're saying is if i do this i can't do that because i'm a part of this group so i can't do what's in that group yeah which is so foolish like who cares just do what you like to do well, you know, if you get guys that are, you know, I drive fast cars or I drive, I'm a four wheel drive guy. Right. And by proxy, if I'm a four wheel drive guy, I cannot, cannot be a fast car guy. Mm. But the truth is you can be both and other things too. You know, there's why, why are we, I let, you know, if you like engines and you like making vehicles go fast or far, yeah, good for you. Go for it. You know, yeah. you don't have to be, it's okay. You can have a Porsche and a Jeep. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I just had a Jeep and sold it for a Prius, so I don't know what that makes me. It makes you a guy that had a Jeep and got a Prius, you know? Yeah. That's another, you know, oh, if you're a Prius, you have to be this. No, you don't. Yeah, apparently you know? when people hear, they, they're like, so so you like to drive slow in the fast lane? Right. <laughs> like, uh, no, but yeah. I like getting 50 miles a gallon. Heck yeah, man. I like being able to charge my house from my car or vice versa, right? Ooh, yeah. yeah. It's That's funny. Okay, so out of rebelling against that, what are the things, I mean, some of it we kind of get already, but what are some of the things you're hoping to create out of rebelling against the view that you have to be in one group or another? Freedom, autonomy, you know? I mean, if you're the Jeep guy, mm-hmm. then you have to go and do the Rubicon. And so you better make sure your Jeep is good to go. Okay, so then how much time does that take? How much attention does that take? How much focus does that take? Is that the right thing to do? I'm not saying necessarily that that's the wrong thing to do. I think, especially when we talk about it from a fatherhood perspective, kids tend to flourish in environments where, hey, dad races cars, and so we're always working on the car, and yeah. we're all dedicated to this task and this purpose. Um, that, that's a good thing, right? Because yeah. if you're focused on going to the race, then you're not focused on getting in trouble with your buddies. Um yeah, I guess it's what you're doing with that time. It's like if you're in the garage working on it and you're like, get out of here, kids. I got to get this done, which, yep. hey, that's going to happen sometimes. All right, let's just admit to that. Yep. But if that's the constant, then you're missing out on the, the thing that you're spending time with. Your, I mean, we're spending time every day. So sometimes, like yesterday, I took my daughter to the park and I asked her 50 things that she wanted to do. Okay, it was just me and her at home. So, hey, what do you want to do? This, this, this too many options and we're at the park i'm following her on my skateboard she's riding her bike around the pond and i realized it didn't matter what we did right it now really it really didn't it yeah. just was that we were going to spend this time we had two hours we were going to spend it yeah like a check or money but we're going to spend it together you know we like to be outside so we did it outside we did it in something where we were talking and engaging so it could have been any one of those 50 things Mm-hmm. but we were together and it didn't really matter. But I do think that I at least get a little crippled sometimes in going, which of those things should I choose and tend to forget that when I'm in the moment of whatever it was, it didn't matter. So it's like I spent 15 minutes deciding instead of just jumping in and having more 15 minutes of being present. I do this all the time, right? We need to go to the lake. We need to go. It's summertime, right? Yes. To, and then it turns into this like, what's over- better? Right. An overcomplicated disaster that then it's just like, (laughs) you know, whereas, you know, I was thinking about the other day, some of the best times I ever had with my kids 
we used to live over in a kind of suburban area. And so I really enjoy being outside. I enjoy the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that it's very beneficial for children. Oh. And, and any, any parent that, how does your kid act after an hour of playing video games versus how do they act after an hour of going on a walk? I don't need to prove that if you can't see it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so one of the things we would do is I'd say, all right, we're going on a long walk, right? And so we just go and start walking and we might be out there for two hours. We might be out there for eight. And it just depended on how distracted we got. And the distraction is the benefit. Yeah. Right? And it was great times. Yeah. I mean, great times. I think yeah. the kids even told me before, they're like, oh, yeah, we really we had a great time doing that, you know. And So I try to do that now as well. Um, they're older, so it's different. Mm-hmm. But even last weekend, you know, okay, want to watch a movie, you know, on Sunday, we're going for a walk. Yeah. Right? And it was great because my younger son was, he didn't drink water. He didn't prepare. And so he didn't bring water. I'm not going to tell him to bring water because this is a very valuable teaching lesson, right? Yeah. So we get on the side of this hill and it was like three, two and a half, three miles, nothing serious, right? But we're walking up this dirt road you know and you oh i'm really really thirsty and and i'm just like that's great next time you can prepare you know and uh but how much learning took place there how much growth took place there right i mean he had to learn endurance he had to learn to push through he had to learn hopefully next time he'll bring his water so those are great lessons those are far better lessons than you're ever going to get in a classroom yeah, I mean, that's really important. So that kind of leads us into what we started talking about in our last conversation um, a few weeks ago on the phone was some things that you shared with me that you're doing with your boys around skills and rites of passage and, and things like that. So the reason why I thought it would be so beneficial to talk about is because you're just doing it, okay? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're doing some things with your kids and I want to talk about how you came to the conclusion of that, how you kind of thought about it, what prompted you. Um, because I think a lot of times, and not knocking other podcasts or anything, I'm you know, sure at some point I'll want to interview people who've written books and done things like that. But you haven't written a book on it. You don't have a blog or YouTube videos that you're trying to promote. You're not here promoting something yeah. other than this is what you do. And sometimes I think that for us, average Joe, just I go to work every day. I have a family. I'm trying to be intentional. Sometimes it's nice to see, hey, there's other regular dads who are doing things who have similar income, similar time, similar energy. I can do this too. Absolutely. You know, I don't have to do it the way Austin's doing it or the way Ned's doing it. I can do it a way that's for me and my family. So let's talk about that. What are some of the things that you're doing with your kids uh, as far as rites of passage and why are you doing it? That's good. Uh, the, the why part is very interesting. I guess there's several things that I'm intentional about when it comes okay. to the, the development of the kids. Um, Can I ask a couple questions first? Sure. Are they homeschool or private school or public school? Public school. Okay. Okay. That, that was kind of just what I want to preface this with. Sorry. Go on. I think, and I mean, we could talk about school a lot, but I don't see this is okay. Right off the bat, who's responsible for our children's ed- education? Is it us or is it the state? It's us. Okay. So school is something they have to do. Quite frankly, I don't think they learn much. Now, that's not because it depends what you think they're they're learning. I think they're learning how to deal with living in our culture. That's true. So that's Mm -hmm. why that's why I currently and with my kids. So I totally cut you off, but (laughs) with (laughs) with our kids, 
I'm not going to make a decision for each. Like they're all going to public school because yeah. I don't know what's going to be best for each one. Like I have one in private school right now because that was just better for her personality at the time. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to move back into public school though, because at some point you got to learn how to deal with all the pressures that are out there. Yeah. Somebody being unfair and bullies and, you know, friends and enemies, yeah. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they learn that, but gosh, it's so much time. I feel like it, I feel like eight, eight hours a day or whatever they're there is way too much time just to be. Well, it's inefficient, right? I mean, totally. it's not the, the hard part. And I mean, you can't point the finger at one thing, I don't think, but, um, and there's some fascinating historical stuff on that, that I won't, I won't really go into, but if you read up on the history and origins of like the modern school system, especially K through 12, there's like very minimal evidence that didactic lectures actually produce learning. Mm. Um, there's, there's actually been some research that if you just let kids learn on their own, they will learn as much, if not more than if you don't teach them, which is fascinating to me. Interesting. You know, who talks about this a lot, who I just think is so amazing is a, he's a marketing guy, Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. And he talks about, why we are where we are. It's just really fascinating about how people learn. You know, he's trying to redo, you know, he's kind of pitched, I, I'm quoting, I should probably look into this, but, <laughs> you know, college, like why do we have all these students going and listening to the same lecture all across the states? Why yeah. not go watch it online and then come into a group and learn as a, you know, then take what you listen to for an hour from the best lecturer instead of thousands of lecturers. And then you're just sitting in class, like not learning. Why not? Go hear that and then come and get in groups and learn. So there's this book by this guy, Connor Boyack, right? I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. But um, the book's called uh, How to Skip College and Jumpstart Your Career. Mm. And I read this because I didn't have the privilege to attend college. I joined the Marine Corps out of high school. I was shooting stuff and jumping out of airplanes. Sounds um, boring. Yeah, it was lame. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I found it fascinating because, you know, my kids are going to be presented with that question and so i want to get a jump start on just understanding the background and the history and the perspective mm, the options yeah. um but anyway the, the fascinating part was he talks about how the origins of our school system are basically because napoleon conquered prussia in 1803 and i won't go into it more than that but it's just absolutely fascinating hmm. if you know anything about the prussian to check it out government yeah so interesting okay yeah. so back to I mean, clearly in what you're saying, like you're already thinking about your kids being prompted with college, right? So you're thinking about these things. They're 10 and 11. You've been thinking about them. So, and education. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to there. So going back to there, I think, yeah. So this, so they go to school, right? And mm -hmm. efficient or not, it, it, that's not really relevant. That's, they need to go to school because that's what everybody does, I guess. I mean, I don't, anyway, oh, this is another rabbit hole. Let's just say they go to school, right? But, but clearly you've already made a decision because you, you could have said, I pulled them out and they homeschool and I teach them from home. So there's some yeah. reason why you're sending them there, not just because they have to. You know, yeah. And I think it doesn't really even matter if they learn in the public education system. What matters is that they experience struggle and mm. difficulty and failure and they're challenged. So if that comes from a social perspective, that's great. If it comes from a, uh, you know, it, I don't want to study, but I need to perspective, that's fine too. Um, but what learning really is, I mean, this goes into like, I did some, and I mean, a, a, a legitimate FAA instructor would, you know, wax poetic about this, but I did a little bit of training on the, um, you know, how, at least how the FAA thinks that we learn, which is a very interesting thing. I mean, 
flying is I'm so I've been a pilot for 17 18 years now um I've got a lot of flight hours and it's all private small airplanes single engine you know me cruising around trying not to get get into a thunderstorm or ice up my wings you know um and the FAA takes safety very seriously but they take learning very seriously and it's just fascinating to read how the FAA has concluded that we learn um and so you know, part of the way we learn is challenge and struggle. So if I sit you down and I say, you know, well, if your airspeed drops below 65 knots, the wing will stall. Okay. And you go, great. That's cool. Stall, whatever. Next, next bullet point, next test item. Right. But if I take you up in the sky and I say, watch the airspeed indicator and I pull back on the stick and cut the throttle and all of a sudden the wing dips and you're in a spiral looking straight down at the ground, that's going to mean something different. Yeah. Right. And what they actually do in training is they sit you down, they teach it to you in the book, and then you go up and do it. And then they teach you the feeling in your hand yeah. of, hey, I'm about to stall this airplane. Right. right. It gets mushy and you right. feel it. So that's learning. Right. Yeah, the book helps, right? The the book the 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 lecturing creates like a handhold for you that you can hold on to and reference. But the thing that, that transfers from being on the what they call the transitory part of the brain but the part where it's, it's a bit of information floating around in my head to like this is in my guts now mm. that's the it's the same this is why i have my kids in jujitsu right this is why i do jujitsu is because nothing will teach you how to not get choked out faster than getting choked out a whole bunch yeah right you start learning like i gotta put my hands over my neck or i'm gonna get choked and it's like <laughs> this is life, man. This is how you learn, right? This is real learning, right? Yeah. If I touch the oven, I'm going to get burned. Yeah. And we've kind of forgotten this. We've created this whole structure around, you know, well, if I take enough tests, I'll be an expert or not. Yeah, because we don't want to get out there and do the real thing because we're too concerned with safety and suing people. Yeah. Well, yeah. And say, I mean, this, yeah, the safety thing is another fascinating, I mean, yeah, we, we, that's probably a, a separate tangent. So, looking at the kids then how do i want them to learn right so one of the things that i'm big on is if you want something whether it's a basketball or a car or a you know anything right then you need to show me that you can work on it first i want you to bleed a little bit on it and then you can possess it right and the reason for that is twofold one is so that you respect your property because if i just hand you something you don't care about it but if you have to suffer to get that thing, then you care about it and you're going to treat it with respect. So give me an example of something that one of your kids has worked for. So I haven't let them have any computers until they built them. Wow. So they built, um, well, we rebuilt a couple of old Dells that I got for free, right? Like, oh, I'm going to throw it away computer. Okay, let's rip out the memory, put more memory in, reinstall the operating system, replace the hard drive, all that stuff, right? But the first computers they ever built was just a Raspberry Pi. But it's still like, hey, you want to play on a computer well then you're at minimum going to flash an sd card load this thing up connect all the parts you know get it working so you know and i'm helping them do it i'm not doing it myself right but if they're going to play with a computer they need to me at least you know if i'm going to operate a machine i need to know how that machine works at a a very basic level it doesn't mean i have to be an expert but i should know at a basic level how that thing Hmm. works that's cool yeah so I'm looking forward to the car phase that's coming up. So are you going to make them build a car? Absolutely. Really? We're going to buy a cheap piece of crap. And, and just get it running. So just fix bleed it. on it. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. I mean, you, you want to have a hillside, right? But you don't want to have it so high that they 
can't succeed. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to find something that like, hey, we got to, you know, it's like engine suspension frame. No, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. We'll find something that's got transmission damage and it's not a sideways engine so I can actually rip it apart and, you know, go after it. Right. So. Nice. That's cool. Okay. So you, when we spoke before, you said, you know, something, I'm doing something at age six or eight or 10 or, and you're kind of, what are those things and what prompted you to want to do those? Yeah. So, well, that, yeah, we were talking kind of about that, that idea of like the, I don't know, rites of passage leveling up. Yep. And this is all, everything that I, that I barf out is not, it's not like I invented this in my own brilliance, right? Well, I just learned it along the way from other how, smarter men, right? Yeah, but that's how we that's how we continue to pass this on and grow and do it. But yeah. I don't know that we're all talking about it and pausing to think. I think we would like to do it. But at some point, you had to pause your life and your work yeah. and everything that's important today and write it down and then just go at it. Yeah. So what yeah. does that look like? Well, so yeah, the rites of passage thing became big to me um, definitely when I was in the military because there's a lot of, you know, you're, so you're a boot, like in boot camp, right? You're a boot, which means you're lower than the janitor or you're nothing. Yeah. Right. And so then you go through a process and at the end of it, you're standing on a mountaintop and they hand you this emblem, right? It's Eagle globe and anchor. And the guys that have been torturing you for three months hand this to you. And tell you with pride that you are now part of the tribe, right? Now, the Marine Corps is a bit more Spartan than other services. So I don't know if that's as extreme in the other branches. But I do know that every guy that went into the military went through a training process, right? right? And went through boot camp and came out the other side minted as a new identity, right? Kind of like what we were talking about, like, you know, the identity thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, I saw that in multiple ways. I remember the challenge. I had a stepdad that he said, if you want to drive my car, there was this really steep hill in Rockland, California, right? All the guys with skateboards would like dare each other to go down this hill. Cause like, I don't know if you could even survive it, but anyway, he parked his Jeep, you know, it's a manual transmission on the side of this hill, like parallel parked it. He's like, if you can get out of here without crashing, like, <laughs> like then you can drive. Okay. What is that? It's a test. It's a rite of passage. Right. Um, it was the same thing with, you know, flight instruction is awesome. Right. Cause you're taking it, you're going every day and you get in the plane and you fly around the instructor tells you what to do. And I had this great old army vet instructor that, you know, I go, into, <laughs> I, go I go into the flight training office, San Carlos, and it's like 2002, maybe 2001, something like that. And, uh, there's all these guys that are my age, you know, and they're all wearing the fake airline lapel bar thing. And way in the back is this dude wearing like dirty jeans, smoking a cigarette, drinking a cup of coffee, looking generally pissed. And I'm like, that's my guy. Right. And this guy, Clarence Olesko, right. (laughs) Vietnam helicopter pilot. Oh man. Total freaking animal. Yeah. This guy, I would be at work like, Working, I'm I build, building microscopes, right? So I'd be like training customers. I remember I was at Genentech and I got 25 people stuffed into a laboratory room and I'm teaching them how to do image capture on this new instrument, right? And I keep getting this phone call over and over and over again, right? And it's like, okay, fine. I got to go outside and take this. So I take it. And it's, hey, Austin, where are you at? I'm like, dude, I'm at work, you know? And this is Clarence. Get to the airport right now, you know? And I'm just like, what are you talking about, dude? It's raining. The weather's horrible. I'm in the middle of work. He's like, 
this is the worst possible weather you can still legally fly in. You need to fly in this right now. Oh my gosh, what a beast. <laughs> so we go out there, you know, and it's like, yeah, so he was always doing stuff like that to me, which saved my, I mean, literally yeah. saved my life later yeah. on. If the winds were beyond the airplane, like beyond the airplane's ability to cross control, we would go do approaches so that I could learn what that felt like, hmm. right? I mean, it was brilliant. This guy was amazing. Anyway, so one day we're doing touch and goes and he goes, hey, I'm going to take a piss, take it around the pattern. And I remember I, I took off and my dad, he's he's a pilot. Um, he had been, he had traveled out of country. So his plane was like there and parking at San Carlos. And so I took off and looked down and saw my dad's plane and flew around the pattern on my own for the first time. Yeah. It was right a passage, right? Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So just anyhow, so yeah, looking back, I saw this. And so once I had kids, it was like, so, okay, what does that do for for a man especially, right? Is that when I remember guys would challenge me after I got out of the military, you know, oh, well, aren't you going to go do this really dumb thing? What are you like, a pussy? Yeah. And you're like, bro, I earned the title. Yeah. Like, you don't get to call me a pussy. Yeah. And I don't need to listen to you. Yeah. Like, what do you have? You know, I had the confidence to know that I had passed the test. I had measured up. Yeah. Right. And so when other people challenged me in, in a number of ways, right. I mean, another way that I remember being challenged is that guys would want to go to strip clubs mm. and it's like, you're not calling out my masculinity because I don't want to go to a strip club. Right. Yeah. And I remember the day That's they stopped asking, one. right? Yeah. I remember they, they were all going out to a party. I'm like, where are you guys going? You know? <laughs> and they're like, ah, oh, you, you're not going to care, dude. You know, and then finally they tell me, and then one of my buddies is like, "Oh yeah, we just didn't ask because we know you're going to say no." And for and me, they that left was, it alone. Yeah, they left it alone. In a way, that was even a rite of passage because I'm like, "Awesome, right? You know who I am. You know who I am. Yeah." And so, I think the rites of passage give you these handholds to grab onto when the storms in life come and batter you. Yeah. You know, you can grab on and go, "I have accomplished this. I have accomplished that. I have accomplished this over here." So you know what? This new thing, it's really not that bad. Yeah. And I think even going back to what you earlier said is like we kind of have life designed for us in the sense of school, college, marriage, house, job, whatever. Those are almost like our current rites of passages. You know, when, you know, especially in our culture, like, oh, when did you get drunk the first time? Oh, when did you have sex the first time? Oh, when did you like all these things? So we have to intentionally create rites of passages for our kids. Yep. And, you know, I think sons and daughters. Absolutely. Right. For them to feel that feeling that you felt when you're on top of the mountain getting handed the pin saying like, I see you. And how much more valuable is that coming from your parents than, you know, I'm an eighth grader, you're a, you're a junior in high school, right? And you're telling me, hey, yeah, dude, come hang out, do this, this, and this. Whereas I'm saying, here you go. I see you. This is who you are. You made it. You did it. Um, yeah. Coming from a parent. So what are some of the ages that you do different things with so your kids? So when they were six, um, I took them each on a backpacking trip. Individually? Yeah. So that was just, you know, one boy and me. So went out, got into some trouble, you know, hiked around, had a little adventure and then came home. So that was a big one, right? 
Yeah, six years old, out hiking, sleep outside. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not with a car nearby. No. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, legit backpacking. Yeah. Uh, my my older son, it was fun because we, we definitely got into some trouble. Uh, my younger son was fun because we went up to, um, oh, man, it's that big redwood forest north of the bay. But we, like, flew there and then borrowed my buddy's, like, 68 Ford and then drove up into the woods, you know. And it was, yeah, for both of them, it was great. That's killer. Yeah. Um, and then when they were, I want to say eight or nine is when I gave each of them their first weapon. So that was a big, yeah. The idea there was that like, okay, you are showing personal responsibility and your ability to, to somewhat control your emotions. Um, so my older son, you know, I gave him a bow, my younger son gave him a slingshot. And so, um, that was, I think a big one, right. Was to just. You've controlled yourself enough to show that you can exert a little bit more force on the world. So tell me one of those experiences. What was it like? What was the environment? Where did you give it to him? What did you say? Well, my older son, I remember that was a big one just because it was the first time I had done that. Mm. Um, and so we did that as part of his, I think it was his nine, or eight, eight or nine-year-old birthday. Okay. And so it was like, hey, this is, you know, and I prepped him for it. So did you give it to him wrapped and like there's other people around? Or yeah. Is, okay. The family is around. Okay. Well, the my nuclear family, yeah. not yeah, outsiders. But it was like more of a private, you know, thing. And so, yeah, it was wrapped. And then, um, you know, we were there and it's like, all right, hey, I'm giving you this because you've shown yourself to be responsible. And I know you can handle this. Was he excited? Not really. Really? <laughs> no. You know, it was kind of a letdown for me, honestly. But See, okay, this is even better. Okay, here here's why it's even it's it's better because uh, I mean so much of the time I think the things the stories we share, we paint this picture and other people are like it just didn't feel like that. So the honesty around it didn't go like I had planned, but it doesn't mean it didn't matter. That's right. I don't I mean like look at it another way like let's say that I know it's not going to go as as I hope. Mm-hmm. Would I not have done it? Yeah. And no. It, no, I'm going to do it. And so the, the outcome, it's the same thing as when you know that like, you know, this goes to more to like the, I guess, religious stuff, but like if you feel called to provide something for someone, right? Does it matter that they abuse what you have given? No. Your job is to answer the call. Yep. Their responsibility is to handle what you've done. Give the gift. And then let go. And let go. Right? That's hard to do. Um, okay. So couple couple thoughts. What about when he went and shot it for the first time? Was he stoked? Um, he was scared because he's the older son. Yeah. So, so he's a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That's kind of good too, though. So you got to work with him on the bravery, the confidence, the, yeah. you know, you might, you don't have to love this, but you need to be able to handle yourself. That's right. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then second son. Yeah. Second son was hilarious because I wanted to get him a more useful weapon, but I knew that he wasn't psychologically there Mm. so he's a little bit more of the very enthusiastic for the first five seconds but then goes crazy and becomes defeated when any obstacle shows up Mm. so i knew that you know like another good example for now for him actually a more powerful example was that i got him a multi so my older son i got a knife when i think he was nine okay and my younger son i gave him a multi-tool but i kept the the, uh, uh who is that leatherman they make a kid's multi-tool okay and the knife blade comes in a separate package okay so you can put it on when they're ready yeah you know and so i gave him this tool and i showed him the blade 
and I'm like, this is the most dangerous part of this thing. I don't think you're ready for it. When you are, we're going to put this on. And by the way, it can't come back off. Once you put it on, it's it's done. So um, he, he had that for a year before I put it on. Was he asking you regularly to put yep. it on? Yes, he was. Yeah. That was a big one because I wanted him to see that his behavior was going to dictate the result, right? And yeah. then when you show me you're, when you show me responsible enough, well, look, this is again, you know, might not fit every, I think everybody could agree to this, right? But it's like, there's an old biblical proverb that says, for he that uh, does well with little, more will be given. Yeah. But to him that does poor with little, even that will be taken from yeah. him. And I think we can see that in the world, right? Oh, this yeah. just bears out truth. It just happens. That's how it works. So yeah, right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like the important thing is that it's, it's true. Yeah. So. so to share, as we're talking about this, a friend of mine wrote a book on rite of passage and a few of us have been doing it. And, um, one thing I want to point out to people listening who are thinking about doing rites of passage with their kids and kind of thinking through it is the guy who wrote the book did this really awesome camp trip with his son when he turned 13. And a friend of mine who lives in the Bay Area, he wanted to do rites of passages too. But I loved how he he said, my kid's not into that. Mm-hmm. My kid really likes cooking. And so he did this cooking thing with his son. And then at the end, there was like this rite of passage and his son cooked a meal for like 12 or 13 men who were all there. So I was there. But I love that because you go, okay, one, don't just do what you want to do necessarily. I think you should, if you have skills, you need to teach those to your kids and they're not all going to love everything you love, but teach those to them, but also be in tune with your kid. So it's like, if you don't want to give your kid a bow and arrow, then think of something else. Yeah. You're the dad. You're the father. You know your kid. That's your role. And your kid doesn't need somebody else. They need you. They don't need what somebody else did for their kid. They need what you will do with your kid. That's right. Um, Okay, so was there something that got you initially? I mean, you had to think of this before they were six. So you were engaged in it. What led you to want to do the backpacking and the knife and the bow or the, the weapon? I think, well, it's... I mean, again, it comes back to kind of my life experiences. I even remember, you know, so you go on these forced marches and you're in the military. And so I was in an infantry platoon. We had a, our, our battalion commander had mandated that we would uh, forced march 100 miles a month. Or no, 100 miles a week. Yeah. I think it was 100 miles a week. It was a lot. <laughs> Whatever. Sounds like a lot either way. <laughs> yeah. And so we were just basically like marching around Camp Pendleton. You know, I remember we did like a 23 mile you know, road march and, and, but here's a fascinating thing. Everybody thinks, you know, oh, you know, big, tough Marine guy, right? Dudes were dropping like flies. I mean, like you get these guys, even in basic training, right? They're falling out of these marches. And then like a Humvee is trailing behind and picking these dudes up. And you're like, bro, what are you going to do when we got to go into combat? You know, like you're going to fall out in the side of the desert in Iran or wherever we're going, you know, yeah. like, are you freaking kidding me? And so why didn't I fall out, right? And the reason I didn't fall out is because when I was a kid, my dad took me backpacking on crazy trips. Like, I remember going up to the snow, like, where we were scared where we were stepping. I mean, it was legit dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, but I mean, it was like five days up in the woods. And I remember distinctly one trip, we were on these switchbacks. And, you know, I got my pack on and hiking with my dad, you know, and all this stuff. And we're on these switchbacks and I'm super smoked, right? I'm super tired. And uh, he's like... You know, I said, hey, dad, I'm like, I'm, I can't go on. I can't go on. You know, I don't remember that. Yeah. But I do remember this. He goes, okay, well, 
campsite's a mile and a half up the trail, so I'll see you up there. Just be careful. There's a lot of bears around. No. And he just takes off. So did you sit down? No. I got scared out of my mind. But he takes off to leave you behind a little bit to let you feel it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, I mean. That's what's up. Legit scared, right? And, I mean, I'm running. And all of a sudden, I got energy for days. (laughs) Right? So, you know, and so I remember that in the core. I'm sitting here like, I ain't falling out of this. I don't care how I feel. This is mental. You know? Like, okay. So, for me, I wanted that challenge. I wanted them to hit a wall of, I don't think I can do this, and then break that wall down. So I love this because I don't think that we let our kids fail enough. Totally agree. And I mean, I'm, I'm totally I'm, guilty. I'm the blame too. Yeah. And, and not solving their problem, mm-hmm. giving them the room to solve it. Right. So failing with them. And sometimes, especially as a dad, I got to shut my freaking mouth and just listen because there'll be a pause and a lot of times I'll want to say something because I know the answer. But it's like, just shut up. Just shut up and give them some space to figure it out. Yeah. That's good, man. That's really good. Okay, so six, backpack, then a, then a knife, then a weapon. We're looking at building a car. Um, I mean, even you could say building the computer. Like That's all kind of rites of passages in a sense. Maybe not as distinctly remember. Well, right now I've got them doing work for me. So, because you live on uh, some acres, so they're probably doing some work around the property. No, no, no. It's like business work. Wow. So I have one of them writing a Python program to drive one of my products. Um, and so he's like my younger son, right? He's like failing, and it's great because he keeps failing, and it's like it's summertime, right? So okay, well, get at it tomorrow, and I'll give him, you know, pieces of help. Yeah. But my goal is to have him learn a little Google foo, you know, get a little bit better at asking the right questions. But again, I just want him to get up against the wall, beat his head against the wall, try to scramble around it, find the hole, find the solution. And then that's the lesson that I really want them to learn. It's just Mm -hmm. that you can learn anything. You can do anything. It's just a matter of application. Yeah. And that's the thing is you want them to, you want them to be able to think and solve problems because that's how you succeed in this world. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just a cog. Well, and to learn on your own, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know the answer to this particular problem that my younger son's facing with this, you know, how to put buttons in the right place on the right screen and all this. And I actually don't know the answer. So I'm relying on him to solve it. And he knows that. And, you know, I keep telling him it, it's okay if you can't figure it out today because there's always tomorrow. Yeah. But I'm not like, I don't have the bandwidth to make this program. And so either he's going to do it or he won't. Mm. So my older son, I have him running the mill, the CNC machine. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> I had him working on these parts that need some mods to him. So, you know, I built a little jig and everything. It was very, and I wrote him down instructions on how to do it. And it's like, clamp this, push this button, turn this thing on. If you follow the steps, nothing bad's going to happen. If you don't follow the steps, you could destroy the part or the machine or, you know, both. So don't do that, right? So sure enough, man, like, Four minutes after I leave him downstairs, you know, he's got like 50 parts to do. So I leave him downstairs and like four minutes later, he comes running back up, you know, it's like, there's a problem, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, I didn't turn the machine on. And did you follow the checklist? You know, no. Yeah. So it's great. He failed. Right. And yeah. so when we got to reset it and he learned a valuable lesson, 
you know, even now that's, I, I don't really care what it is. If it's cooking, if it's, you know, haircutting, that's not the relevant part. So here's the cool thing is you're taking something that you're already doing. So I think sometimes we go, man, I don't even know where to start. What's something you're already doing? Yeah. Do you have to make a website for your business? Do you have to um, fix sprinklers around the house? Do you have to fix the lawnmower? Wash the car. Whatever. Do you have to cook dinner tonight? Instead of being stressed because you got to cook dinner, what is going to take you 10 extra minutes to have your kid do it with you? Teach them how to cut with the knife or whatever it is that they could do at the stage that they are? Yeah. I, I I don't even think that it matters so much that they like... I remember, so my, my dad was this guy that just, he, the, the, the things he used to say, and I, you know, he's just another dude like the rest of us, right? Like he's not a saint, um, got his problems just like I do. Yeah. But, uh, the couple of things he did and said that I always took to heart. And one of them was that he'd say, um, if someone else can do it, you can do it too. Mm. And that was huge. Right. Um, you know, he was, <laughs> we watched the Olympics when I was, I remember watching the Olympics when I was a kid and he's like, you see those guys that are like super fast. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, there's some guy out in the middle of nowhere in Kenya. He could smoke all of them. He's just not sponsored. And you know the 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 foundation of what he was saying is everybody that we put on a pedestal is just a regular person mm. that just happened to have through chance, opportunity, and hard work. Yeah, yeah. You know, they ended up in a certain position. Good for them. There's not, you know, I don't want to take away from that. It's not to denigrate that. It's, hey, let's celebrate that. That's great. But at the same time, don't forget that that person's just a person. Mm-hmm. And so that guy that has his PhD in physics, you can learn physics too. You know, he went through school. He learned on his own, however he did it. There's no reason you can't do it too. Yeah. And so, you know, there were times when I remember my dad and I built this remote control airplane when I was young. We had no idea what we were doing. We built this thing out of like a scratch design that we had just like drawn up and it didn't even fly. Like the airfoil was wrong and it didn't fly. It was a disaster. It was a blast. It was too heavy. You know, we tried to make like a flying wing. And I mean, this thing was big, right? Like eight feet across and the whole deal built it out of balsa wood. Way too heavy. Engine was way too small. Like, I mean, it did not fly, right? And it was still a great experience. And I watched my dad invest his time in this build this thing that didn't work we had this blast of a time and then we burned it like when we were done we're like let's just set this thing on fire it was great and so that's i don't think it you know hey you don't know how to fix your sprinklers go show your kid how you can go youtube watch the youtube video on how to do it and then go out and you know what hey they're already broken go work on them yeah right like what are you gonna do break them twice yeah who cares you know yeah i love it just do what you're already doing because yeah. you're doing something, yeah. just bring them along. Yeah. Bring them along, show them the suffering, show them the learning process, show them how you can overcome, right? Man. Austin, this has been super fun, great conversation. I love it. I'm excited to just want to continue to think about my day and go, how can I bring my kid along to, to teach him and, and show him the way and learn with him things that I don't know yet. Don't go learn it by myself. Um, before we end this conversation, is there any last thoughts or anything that, that you want to talk about before we, before we end it? Yeah, I think, you know, especially as, as fathers, as men, we can get very self-insulated and start worrying about, you know, Hey, life is hard. I mean, look, we're all in the same place. There's way too many bills. There's not enough money. There's too many obligations. There's not enough time. Everything that we own needs maintenance. (laughs) Our family needs our time, our energy and focus. We need to stay in shape. Like, 
it's just, you know, this is, this is the fog of war that we live in mm-hmm. as men, right? And so yeah. no one is immune to this. But in the midst of that, don't lose heart and don't lose sight of the fact that being a husband is a privilege and an honor and a gift. And being a father is a privilege and an honor and a gift. And you have to accept that as the amazing thing that it is and then live up to that responsibility and opportunity. You have an opportunity to wake up tomorrow and give your wife support, encourage her. You have an opportunity tomorrow to wake up and give your kids growth and support and challenge, right? And the other thing to really focus on, if you have an 11-year-old, you have maybe five summers left. Maybe. Because you know at 18, they want nothing to do. It's too late. You're putting the fletching on that arrow right now. And it's going to fire whether you want it to or not when they're Mm -hmm. 16. And once that arrow is going down, you see a lot of parents, right? Kids 18, 19, 20, they're still chasing that arrow. They think they can change it. Sorry, bro. Like you put the fletching on wrong, that arrow sideways, game over. You're just going to have to pray that they recover. But it's not going to be because you fixed it. So now is the time, right? Put the work in now. You can rest when they're in college, maybe. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's just so easy. Dude, it's so good. Because it matters. Now more than you think. Yeah. It matters. Fatherhood. Fatherhood matters. Absolutely. The whole, the whole thing matters. But I love how you say the fog of war. Oh, yeah. Because all those things are just reality. But yeah. they're, we, And we go, well, I'll be, Sunday will be better. Once I get through all this, then I'll have time. No way. Once I get way. the promotion. Yeah, right? no way. Yeah. Once it's, we refi the house, right? It's, yeah, there's always the next thing. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, dogs are going crazy now. Yeah. UPS must be here or something. It's good. Um, well, Austin, I just want to say you are an incredible dude, husband, father. Your intentionality with your family is incredible and inspiring. Um, and... I think that there's a ton of dads out there who are who who are like you, who want to do this, but we just want to bring that conversation out in the open and encourage, hey, go ahead, do it. Plan the camp trip, plan the hike, get the get get the knife, do this, do go ahead. Yeah. Encouragement is there. You guys out there, um, I just want to encourage you to take this conversation and and don't add a bunch more work to your life. But think about what you're doing today, tomorrow, this weekend. Don't always, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, I got to plan this wonderful camping trip or this, you know, uh, trip to Disneyland with my family. Those things are great. But I think sometimes what your kids will remember the most is that you took them out to change the oil or fix the sprinkler or cook dinner with them or took them to the grocery store with you and just talked while you walked through the grocery store. Um, The little things matter. And uh, your kids need you, not somebody else. Thanks, Thanks, Austin. Oh, so good, man. Doing a great job. All right, right on. What another great episode. That conversation just got me so inspired, especially those last words Austin said. I just want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do truly matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood.